Hello and welcome to the Queen Bee Podcast, where the stories of regional women come alive, resonate and inspire. I'm your host, Tanya Rutherford, and together with a passionate team of women, we've painted this landscape for you. In truth, this podcast is about gathering the stories of women who live in regional and remote Australia to bridge those gaps, to create communities, and of course, to tell the richness in their journeys. Now, if anything does come up for you today, please be kind to yourself. You can share it with us, whether that's through our socials, our Queen Bee community, or you can send us a DM. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Queen Bee podcast. Joining me today is Nicole Bathurst. Nicole is actually our first Western Australian podcast guest. After being diagnosed with breast cancer, Nicole undertook a complete review of her life and lifestyle at times like these that really make you look at things in laser focus. Nicole's incredible journey to healing and purpose-led for health is formidable and we'll be going into that a bit today. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. And what an honour to be the first West Australian. <laughs> right. I've, I've just got to get really like technical with time zones. And <laughs> yeah. Well, so tell me a bit about your journey. You know, what got you, I guess, how did you start? And then how did you get to where you are today? Gosh, how far back do we go? Um, I, you know, I grew up with a mum who struggled with emotional eating and struggled with her weight. And that sort of created in me this desire to not go down that path. And the way that I dealt with it was not a very healthy way. So I struggled with bulimia in my late teens and early 20s. And um, but then I discovered at 18, I read a book called... Um, uh, uh, oh, I think it was the raw, raw energy by Leslie Kenton and then fit for life. And I realized that food could be used for good. And so even though I was struggling with bulimia myself, I was reading these books and going, oh, wow, you know, this is amazing. And it led me to then go on and study dietetics. So 23, after spending six years working in the, in the bank and then traveling the world for a year, I went back to university full time and became a dietitian. And it was during those years that I realized that bulimia was not really a healthy weight management tool. And uh, so, yeah, I joined a group and I, you know, took steps to sort of deal with that. Um, And uh, then, so I kind of. Sorry, because that's a bit of an addiction in itself, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's that it's, yeah, it's just. I think that what I learned by osmosis was that you push your emotions down with food. That's what I was sort of witnessing from, from my mum. And, um, but then there's this, you know, this other side of it, you know, of, I don't, I fear being overweight like her. Mm. So you've got, yeah, they're just sort of on opposite ends of the spectrum. And so, um, yeah, so maintaining my weight has always been like super important to me. And then after studying dietetics, it was super important to not only maintain my weight, but to be as healthy as possible. So I was this super healthy food pyramid 
clean eating food pyramid following person. And um, I, you know, during those years, I, I had four children. I was home educating them, living in Port Hedland. And I was kind of, you know, always the healthiest person I knew. Yeah. And so to get a diagnosis at the age of 48 that you've got breast cancer was pretty shocking. Mm. I seriously, I mean, up until they did the fine needle aspiration, I was convinced that there is no way this is just, you know, they've made a mistake because I am the healthiest person I knew. Um, they were shocked. I'd had four children. I was a health, I was my ideal body weight. I'd breastfed my children. Like it was just like, what? Yeah, this is ticking all the boxes of what you exactly, exactly. That's right. And so it really made me take stock and go, hang on a minute, what's going on here? How on mm. earth can I get breast cancer? Mm. And what? And of course, we all know that. Sure, you know, luck of the draw, and there is so many things that, you know, are cancer, I don't want to say causing, but, you know, promoting these days in our diet, in our environment, you know, like you know, we're just so toxic. Our world is so toxic. Oh, yes. But it was like, oh, hang on a minute, you know, what can I do differently? And so what it made me do was start to research in areas that I hadn't researched before. And part of that journey was actually realising that I had a lot of anger inside me. Mm. And, uh, you know, what your listeners aren't aware of is the fact that I kind of started realising that all of this anger was directed at my husband. And... Um, in the process of uh, putting down my glass myself and stop drinking alcohol uh, because I used to have a couple of glasses of wine most nights, mm. but that paled into insignificance to the fact that my husband was drinking often a hundred times more than that. Wow. And, um, and as the 20 years of our marriage had evolved, so did the abuse. And, um, yeah, I got the courage to eventually put my glass down and three months later I actually woke up totally to, the, to, to what was going on in my marriage and, you know, just realising that all of this anger wasn't going to do, uh, wasn't going to do my health any good. Do you know what I mean? It's like I've got all this anger but I, I'm not allowed to express it and but I know that that anger could be what was, you know, set my, my cancer off, you know, plus, of course, the alcohol. That is definitely known. And, you know, so many women are not aware that the link between alcohol and breast cancer is as strong as the link between smoking and lung cancer. Wow. I did not know that. No, most people don't. Because the moment you drink alcohol, your liver stops breaking down estrogen because it has to break down the alcohol because alcohol is a toxic substance. Your body knows that if it if too much alcohol builds up, you'll die. Mm. And so it stops breaking down things like estrogen and cholesterol. So your estrogen levels begin to rise the moment you drink alcohol, but that's not the worst part. The worst part is if there's that the half broken down estrogen in your liver 
get dumped into the bloodstream because your body goes, oh, I'll deal with that later because um, I need to deal with the alcohol. Yeah. And it's this processed estrogen that is related to our female cancers. Wow. So, yeah, it is so, um, uh, you know, we really need to think about how much alcohol we're consuming. And I think it's, uh, um, yeah, it's, I just put that out there. Do you know what I mean? For, <laughs> and, and for someone who um, who loved a glass of wine, who mm. loved bubbles, loved getting, you know, having a few glasses or a bottle with my girlfriends, um, it was it was huge. It was huge. And I, I didn't know how you did life without alcohol, to be honest. And so, you know, the year I was turning 50, I stopped drinking alcohol. And, you know, that's I'm happy to delve into that, but you know, because it's it's so socially acceptable and yep. it's something that we do with our girlfriends. Mm. And yet in my line of work, I just meet so many women who know that those couple of glasses of wine every night or most nights is holding them back. It's holding them back from, you know, feeling amazing because most of them have done like a Feb fast or a dry July. I know I did stacks of them before I finally gave it up. And you just always feel better. You always feel better when you're not drinking alcohol. And so they know that it's holding them back with that. They know intuitively that it's not good for their hormonal symptoms, you know, because I work with women in menopause. They know that it's not making their menopause journey any easier. They know that it's holding back their weight loss, you know, if they're looking to, to release weight. Mm. None of us like to be, uh, you know, reliant on a substance, you know. So it is, It is a, and I, so I, I get that. And I think that there are wonderful, wonderful um, groups out there. I just, you know, if anyone is sort of wanting to explore this area, check out Annie Grace. You know, Annie Grace just has a wonderful free program that you can do along for 30 days and she just really educates you about what is going on, you know, with that glass of wine that you're so looking forward to every night. And um, so, yeah, it, it was a very interesting <laughs> journey. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't normally drink tonight, but I was really looking forward to one by the end of the week. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's a big difference between having, you know, a glass of wine at the end of the week. Mm. And, you know, but for me, that that glass of wine always led on to another glass of wine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I, it, for me, it has just been so much easier not to drink at all. For me, that having alcohol in the fridge was like, you know, now chocolate in the fridge. I mean, who can have one square of chocolate? <laughs> if you you can't see my face if you're listening to this but it's like screwed up it's an, it's an anathema it's impossible <laughs> awesome and so then that led to a, another change for you so tell us yes about. that's right so what about the food that's right yeah. um so yeah doing all this research i realized that there was a whole other world out there of people who were talking about the power of plants. And I think in the last 10 years, we've become more and more aware of 
the fact that we actually have a gut microbiome. We have these, you know, hundreds and thousands of gut bacteria and that they are responsible for so much that is going on in our body and in our health. Um, you know, they're responsible for 70% of our immunity. They're responsible for, you know, our, our brain and, and our emotional health. They're activating hormones and vitamins and, like, seriously, um, so much stuff. It's just, you know, it's unbelievable. We're finding out more and more, more and more, um, you know, links as time goes on. And these good gut bacteria only like one food. And it, that one food is only found in plants. And I say in food because I'm kind yeah. of being obtuse yeah. here, but <laughs> it's only fibre. Okay. They like fibre. That is the only thing that makes them grow. Everything else stunts their growth. So fibre is only found in plants. So that's all of your fruits, all of your vegetables, all of your whole grains. And when I say whole grains, I mean, you know, not flour. I mean, a, I mean a grain that still has the fibre intact. So mm -hmm. that's something like, you know, brown rice, rolled oats or steel cut oats, um, quinoa, um, you know, they're not rolling off the top of my head today. And then all, then all of your legumes, so that's your beans and your lentils. Beans, you know, chickpeas, red lentils, brown lentils, all those sorts of things. And then there is some fibre in nuts and seeds, avocados and whole olives, except they are your, they are mainly um, healthy fats. Yeah. So, you know, when we are focused on those foods, that's the way that we can be as healthy as possible. Now, for someone like me who's a dietitian, I'm just like, well, where am I going to get my protein? You know, and it was really hard for me to move away from eggs and, you know, because I was a clean eater. So it would have been, you know, organic, free-range yep. eggs and, you know, wild-caught salmon and grass-fed organic beef. But the more research you do, you realise that actually there's a ton of, ton of cultures out there who have been, you know, successfully, happily and healthily and have longevity who don't eat any animal products. And so you can get all of your protein requirements. I mean, you know, seriously, this is not even an issue. Um, there was a guy in Australia who only ate potatoes for a whole year and he lost 50 kilos. I'm not, I'm not, I say, I tell this story because he met his protein requirements easily just on potatoes. There you go. You know what I mean? So we can get so hung up in thinking we need extra protein supplements and shakes and all those kinds of things, when in reality, if you're just eating brown rice and broccoli, you know the amount of for the amount of calories that you need every day, you'll get all of your requirements. There you go. Like I can remember the doctor when I was having trouble with my youngest eating food, which is actually still an ongoing thing. Um, not that she doesn't eat, but she doesn't <laughs> eat the things that I wanted to eat. He's, I can remember him saying to, you know, it's okay if they just eat potatoes because that's why the potato famine was so um, devastating for Ireland was that, you know, it was a, it's okay for that to be your main food source. I'm like, mm. okay. I don't know if deep fried is helpful. but <laughs> Perhaps not. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, 
yeah, it, it is it is amazing. So I have come now to where I absolutely promote more plants. And uh, I'm personally pretty much 99% plant-based. Um, I, I like the word plant-based compared to vegan, um, simply because not that I'm against animal welfare or animal cruelty or environment or anything like that, but I think that it just comes with its own baggage. Like even hearing the word dietitian comes with its own baggage. I get that, you know, um, what's she going to do? Put me on a diet or, you know, yep. I don't do I don't do diets, but um, also there's a lot of unhealthy processed vegan foods out there and plant-based to be, to be honest, you know, you can get vegan Tim Tams, like that's not healthy at all. So it's whole, it's really whole foods. Yeah. And, um, and I just find that, you know, I know for me, um, I have breezed through menopause. My mum struggled. Um, I have made, it's so easy to maintain my weight when I eat like this. And and my clients just have fabulous success. And it's really, it's just about tweaking what you're doing. Where, yeah. can, we, where can we bring in, you know, more plants? Can we add lentils to a spaghetti bolognese? Can we add chickpeas to a curry or a casserole? How can we get creative and eat more vegetables? And you don't have to be afraid of potatoes. It's not the potato or the sweet potato that's fattening in, you know, air quotes. It's what we put on it. Yep. It's the it's the oil and the cheese and the sour cream. And so, and so I'm really curious, right? Because you talk about you know you've gone off eggs and and that sort of thing. What's the problem with eggs? So, from a health perspective, um, eggs uh, and all dairy and all animal products contain saturated fat and cholesterol. Yep. And so it's these that are linked to heart disease. Okay. So in, in um, what I recommend is that, uh, you know, if you want to be eating those foods, then let's just get your, um, let's get your bloods tested first. Let's see where you are with your cholesterol. And because this way of eating, plant-based eating has reversed everything from heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, like give it a go. Like yeah. if you, you know, if you've got high cholesterol and your doctor says, or you've got, or you've got, you know, oh yeah, you know, your blood sugars are, are, are a bit high, do the experiment and see, you know, for yourself. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting when you start looking into it. And there's, I know there's a lot of conflicting information out there. There's a ton of it. But you can't deny the, you know, the the, the studies that yeah. show that they, you know that these people go in and totally um, become do low fat plant based, and in six months time they're off all their medication, they've lost ten kilos, like they've never felt so healthy and energetic in all their life. It's amazing. Wow. Well, and as, as someone who's going through perimenopause at the moment, what are kind of the, I guess, the impacts that the food has on the hormone levels and then the, I guess, the symptoms and, and that sort of thing as well? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, the first thing I would always encourage my clients to do an experiment with, I, I think that 
couching everything in an experiment means that we can just have a bit of fun and, and we're looking at how are we feeling, what are the changes. And the first thing that I would always recommend clients do is um, have a break from dairy. Okay. So, you know, dairy is a hormonal product, as is animal products. Dairy seems to have the most impact, though. So you think about how much dairy people can, in you know, essence be having. You know, if you're having a couple of, you know, all of the coffee that you buy these days, it's not water with a dash of milk these days. It's all milk. Mm. So if you're having a couple of those a day, you're having yogurt for breakfast, you know, and then you're having cheese and, you know, you're actually consuming a lot. And so having a break from that, and there's some wonderful alternatives these days, as in, you know, Oat milk's fabulous. Um, and do the experiment and see how you feel. Because I just cannot tell you how many clients come back and say, oh, my gosh, I've lost two kilos. I'm sleeping better. Um, I, I didn't realise that, you know, I, it, it was, you know, causing constipation. I mean, that could be because they've probably added a few more plants in there as well. But it's just, it is amazing when you do the experiment to how some foods are ex are affecting your health in a negative way and i guess that can that can happen with anything isn't it it could be anything triggering and it's a matter of experimenting to see which one or which group is having the biggest impact that's right that's right and i know that you know um touchy subject here um you know people will go on keto and feel fantastic and um you know the reason being is because they cut out all the crap. You know, people can go on any so-called diet and, you know, in essence, all diets are cutting out the crap. Yeah. A lot of the crap. And so that's why you're going to feel fantastic. But for me, I want to, I want to be looking at something that is sustainable. Yep. I find that a lot, a, a lot of diets just aren't sustainable in the long term. So you want to be able to do something that you can continue doing for the rest of your life. You know, that's why I don't, I don't do diets. I will not give you a diet plan. I will help you look at what you're currently doing and we tweak that. Yeah. We tweak what you're doing, we tweak your recipes because you know how to whip up a spaghetti bolognese. But what if we tweaked that spaghetti bolognese? What if we taught you how to cook the onions without all that olive oil? What if you, you know, learn how to add some some lentils to it and some people even progress you know if that's where they want to go is so they're not they're not even having adding the mints anymore because they're happy with the lentils and extra mushrooms and things like that but they've still got that same you know flavor of the spaghetti bolognese so I feel like that's a way more sustainable way to you know change your diet to move you in the direction that you want to be heading yeah uh, and I notice that more with myself is that I tend to, my kids are kind of like, if I do a curry, they're like, I just want to eat the meat. I don't want to eat anything, including potato. I mean, potato and curry is like the most amazing thing. Yeah. But anyway, my children are weird. Um, but what I'm finding is I'm actually, you know, giving them the meat because that's what they'll eat. And then I keep all the potato and I don't have much of the meat. So I get, you know, I get the bits that I like, but it, yeah, it's, uh, and we've been starting to do more like putting chickpeas into curries and, and um, lentils into the 
um, like the taco mix and the, you know, last night the girls were going like, why are they round things in here? It's like, shut up and eat it. <laughs> it's just part of the sauce. <laughs> but then- and that, that's perfect because that way it can be sustainable. And that's, that's what I tell my clients. And then you can just pick out or, you know, you can have a big scoop, but just if you don't want the meat, just put it, put it back in the pot and you have yeah. all the chickpeas and all the veggies. Yeah, great. So have you got um, ideas for helping people to become more open to trying um, like more food? And I, in this, I'm thinking about my children. <laughs> but yeah, 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 particularly yeah. when they don't like having things mixed you know why is there why is there fruit in my spaghetti it's like vegetables but (laughs) look i think um i used to do um a kids veggie workshop when i was um up in in port headland and i would do things like you know the sweet potato chips and i'd do cauliflower popcorn which is really just cauliflower cut up into you know chunks smaller chunks and you just flavor it just put your healthy salt on there i use herbamare which is a you can get at coles and woolies healthy salt and you know whatever flavors your kids might like if they like the curry flavors or whatever and because it's salty and it's cooked the kids will eat it yeah as long as they're hungry yeah you know none of us eat really enjoy food when we're not hungry so, you know, and I'd make zucchini fries, same thing, cut up the zucchini in strips, um, you know, kale chips, that sort of thing. And nine times out of ten, you know, they'd like my, all of it or half of it. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I do have a um, so I do have a plant-based library, you can, although all of those things that I just mentioned are on my YouTube channel under okay. recipe. So I did ten vegetables and um, created four four recipes for each just to give you some ideas with vegetables. Right. Um, but then I also have a cookbook. So that's um, uh, $15. We can put the link there somewhere. That actually talks about there's about 30 pages of my philosophy on, you know, why you might want to move towards eating more plants. And then there's about 30 recipes Um which are, you know, just really easy recipes, everyday ingredients um, on how to just eat more plants, really. Cool. And so interested in being a dietetic, being in a regional area, what kind of impact has location had for you in terms of your business? Um, Well, nothing since uh, we've been online. Cool. COVID had one thing positive about it. <laughs> online. I think everyone's used to, being, was used to being online. So we're, um, you know, I have clients who, you know, potentially live in the next suburb, um, but I work from home as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's uh, that's, yeah. And I, I have since moving down here, um, up in Port Hedland, it was a bit of a different situation because I was working at a women's health clinic and everyone could see me for free thanks to BHP. Um, but down here, I've had to, I've got out and done a lot more networking. Yeah. Uh, and meeting, sort of meeting people face to face, which has been fabulous, you know, when you move to a new town and going to these networking events. And yeah, it's been wonderful. Yeah, cool. And so if you went back and you spoke to, 
young Nicole struggling with the whole food relationship, what would you say to her? That's a really hard question because I want to say just eat healthy, but I feel like there's so much confusion out there right now about what is healthy. Yeah. So many differing opinions and people are so, um, vitriolic is not the word, you know, we, yeah, so I, I think, what would I say to young Nicole? Keep on, keep on, you know, just keep on researching until you find something that, you know, you're you're comfortable with. I mean, I'm not saying that my clean eating, you know, food pyramid way of eating was necessarily bad, but I feel like it could have had a nutritional upgrade with more plants, you know, focusing on. But back 30 years ago, we didn't know that. No, no. We did not know that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we had people around like the raw energy, Leslie Kenton, and don't you worry, I tried for years to be raw, but I just always had so much abdominal pain, it wasn't funny. And, you know, when I look back now, I realise my body just, did did not like all of that raw food and and most people can't do you know what I mean so there's nothing wrong with steaming some vegetables and you know well you're not in fact a lot of times what we've learned now is that steaming vegetables can often release make a lot of those um, vitamins and minerals more bioavailable than in their raw form so it's a bit like sprouts isn't it they've got to actually sprout before it releases the benefits that's yeah. right that's right yeah yeah and and sprouts are super good super good I just just got back into sprouting and sprouting not any mung beans which aren't really my favorite but since I've been sprouting brown lentils they are worth a try they are really yummy okay yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I have at different times thought I'd like to get into that like my parents used to do it a bit yeah um, but my organisation was not been very good since I had kids. So it's a good one to get your kids involved in, and it's so. And really, you just you just need a jar. And I, the, what I used to put over it is, you know, um, you know, just your washing uh, a washcloth. Yeah. Just to clean those, and you know, soak through, and um, you know, you just sort of soak it overnight, and then just give it give it a drink every you know morning and night, and tip it out and leave it in the sink just you know draining and seriously and if the kids get involved maybe they might eat it you never know your luck we can hope that's right (laughs) no any hope um cool so who have you had like you know it's been a pretty rough ride at times for you who have you had who's actually you know been that beacon of support for you um when you've been going through things I would have to say my sister. Mm. I am so blessed to have a sister, and I think it's one of the one of the things that is um, uh, sad for my sister and myself is that we both only had one daughter. We had a daughter, and then I had three sons, and she had a daughter and two sons. Not that we don't love our boys, 
you know, I'd die for my children. But we so appreciate each other so much. Mm. And, you know, during my years in my my marriage, which was quite toxic, um, you know, she stood by me and, um, you know, just loved me anyway. She could see, I mean, everyone can see, you just can't see um, what was going on, but she just stood by me and loved me. And when I had to leave quite suddenly, um, you know, she drove, you know, it makes me cry even thinking about this, but, you know, she drove you know, a couple of hours to get me and then drove me all the way to Perth, you know. So it's a long way. And, uh, yeah, I'll just always be so grateful for her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Mm. Mm. Um, and so before we finish up today, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience while you're here? Um, I think we've covered everything. <laughs> I am kind of curious, actually, um, and this comes back to that alcohol element. Mm -hmm. What was the, like, what made it easier, because I'm not expecting it's easy, but easier to make that transition from having alcohol to not having alcohol? I would say it was because I had done Feb Fast, Dry July and October over the past probably five years. Yeah, okay. So I had I had struggled with alcohol for uh, – struggled in the sense that I knew that – well, I was such a healthy person and I just – I knew that alcohol wasn't healthy. Do you know what I mean? And so it was hard for me to just have one glass on a Friday night. And I really take my hat off and admire people who can just have, just enjoy half a glass, you know, or just a glass, you know, once a week or once a month, you know, because I wasn't that person. Mm. One always made me want to have two. Yeah. Because I was looking at the effect I was looking for the relaxation effect the not having to think effect and while I couldn't see it at the time because I was in I was not awake to the toxicity that was going on in my marriage I can see that I very much use that just to be able to not think um, but I knew the health benefits I'd done the experiments that's why I love experiments because every time I did it and white knuckled my way through a month, I'd go, oh, my gosh, I sleep better. I don't wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning with a dry horizon, not been able to get back to sleep. Um, you know, I'm not waking up starving every morning. You know, there were all these things that I could, I knew, but the pool's greater. Yeah. And, uh, and also possibly now, um, given the fact that, you know, it was only three months later after I had stopped drinking that I woke up and I left my toxic marriage. Yeah. And so, but even then there were situations that were always alcohol fueled, like getting together with my girlfriends, Yeah. you know, always drank. We always stayed at each other's places because we always, you know, drank a lot. Um, so even the first time I did that, I had, you know, that was a, I had to tell myself, okay, well, let's see how you go 
And, you know, the first drink has to be non-alcoholic. And if you feel like you're going to die, then, you know, because you can't drink with your girlfriends, well, you can have a drink. But I got to the end of that first non-alcoholic drink and thought, wow, I can do this. Do you know what I mean? And I just felt so empowered. I felt like I was present, you know, and as the evening wore on, I was present. They weren't, you know, that's not putting them down, but that was just where I was at. Yeah. Gosh, I'm going to wake up and feel fantastic. Um, You know, the other thing that I have to admit is that I'd never danced sober. So the first time that I went to a function, it was an awards night, so, you you know, I was used to not drinking, but then when the awards were over, the lights went down and the band came up and everyone raced to the dance floor and I just thought, oh, well, girlfriend, you either sit here like an old maid for the rest of your life or you get out there and you dance without alcohol. <laughs> and I to the dance floor and seriously, you should have seen me. I was just like a Cheshire cat dancing away because I realised no one cared because they were all drunk. <laughs> Yeah. It was so empowering and freeing. And so, look, I just encourage anybody, you know, because you know, you know if, if, if alcohol, if you don't want alcohol to be a part of your life at all or perhaps it's playing too much of a big part, be encouraged to do the experiment mm. and don't tell anybody. Don't have to announce it to the world. I don't tell anyone because you've got people who will feel threatened and go, oh, what do you mean? One won't hurt or do you know what I mean? It's interesting, isn't it, how people react because it's almost like they feel it's a judgment call on them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, yeah, I I didn't tell anybody, you know. So, yeah, be encouraged. You're worth it. Health is worth it. You are worth it. You are worth doing those experiments and, you know, being as healthy as you possibly can be. Yeah, and I guess that I like one last question I have. If we come back to the start, um, have you, how has, how have you been in terms of your cancer, um, you know, any sort of anything showing up? Is it just, is it just been really good? Yeah, so um, my journey was that um, it was a very tiny cancer. Yep. And uh, I and it hadn't spread. Um, not that you know that until you've actually, you know, had the the, the um, surgery. Yep. But I chose to have a mastectomy rather than a lumpectomy and six weeks of radiation because I didn't want the radiation. Yeah. And because it hadn't spread, I didn't have to have chemo. I then chose not to do tamoxifen because I did my research on tamoxifen and I thought I don't want the risk of uterine cancer. Mm. Um, and so, and also there's a lot of research now showing that exercise is just as good as the, the beneficial effects of tamoxifen. And also, also I then got rid of, uh, you know, that was when I sort of went on that journey of eliminating all of the estrogen type um, animal products as well. Yeah. Um, and then I was having phytoestrogens, which um, help um, like uh, flax seeds. So having flax seeds every day and things like that. Um, and I also did coffee enemas for four years. So, you know, and whether there's any benefit in that or not, I no one will know. But I was proactive. 
Yeah. And doing that for me every day meant that I was doing something proactive. Um, and I was also, it also meant that, you know, during that I had to lay and relax and meditate and pray for 15 minutes every day. So that probably just had just as much benefit as perhaps the, you know, the, the known benefits of, of coffee enemas. Um, but yeah, and so I've had no um, reoccurrence and um, yeah, I, I feel happier and healthier. And I've just done Cape to Cape, which you guys over that side wouldn't know about. But I didn't even know about Cape to Cape until I came <laughs> back. I've walked 136 kilometres in eight days, carrying 12 um, kilograms on my back. Um, it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I know it was going to be that hard. I wouldn't have done it, but I am so proud of myself. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, let's onward and upwards, turning 60. What am I? I'm, I'm 58, 58 and a half. So, you know, it would be. Um, well, you look amazing. Even oh, if thank you. In quality, I think I need to do this. <laughs> Well, for the people who are viewing, um, uh, Tanya, I, I told Tanya, I've just, I ha I've got hairdresser hair. And you know what it's like when you, you know, who can do this normally? Like, you know, I can't do this. Lovely. I can't do my hair, so. Actually, <laughs> actually, what I did want to ask you, and it is a personal question, not that we haven't been talking personal anyway, but as a woman having the mastectomy, how was that for you in terms of your body shape? Yeah, that was that was probably um, really difficult. And I spoke to, um, fortunately, through my friends, friends of friends sort of circle, I was able to talk to a few women who'd also had um, a mastectomy. And um, they, you know, one of the things, what I remember one of the ladies saying, she said, yeah, it's a little bit confronting at first, but she said, you kind of just get used to it. And I feel like I look at my scar and just feel, you know, it's that saved my life. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, you know, you can't tell because, you know, you always just put in your little, your little fakey booby. Um, I didn't want to get reconstruction, um, mainly because it just meant so much more time on the operating table. Yeah. Uh, you know, 45 minutes for a mastectomy and then, you know, four to six hours on the table, recovery is huge. I just thought, I just don't want all that intervention. Um, and I feel like I haven't crossed a threshold that I might have to one day in that I've now been single for nearly 10 years since I left my marriage. I have not had a relationship. Um, I'm just still really happy living on my own after... <laughs> I'm as happy as on my own. Um, but I know that if I did meet someone in the future, that would be something that would have to, I, I would have to move through, you know mm. what I mean? Because I do like, I do like keeping a healthy body um, and that would be something that they would have to confront. Yeah. 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 And in terms of like how you feel, do you feel lopsided? I'm kind of curious. I'm no, no, because I've yeah. only got a tiny boob anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I might feel upsided. <laughs> you can get, you know, I've kind of find, found that the Lorna Jane bras hold my other boob in an, in the sort of the same shape as as the little fakie. 
that I've yep. got. So that 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 works out well. But yeah, there, there's a lot of um uh a lot of different shapes and sizes and and even yep. um weights weighted weighted ones these days. So um back yeah. in the day, my um great aunt used to have like a little bag of sand because it gave or no bird seed because it gave the same kind of movement. So she just put that in her bra and it kind of, it looked and felt the same and people couldn't tell. Oh, that's so, yeah. We've come a long way, haven't we? We've come a long way. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Nick. It's been really interesting and I'm going to have to do some serious thinking myself about what I do with my diet. Um, We've been talking today with Nicole Bathurst, a dietitian, also a speaker, a fellow queen and specialist in menopausal weight loss through looking at healthy approach to eating. Nicole is there to help us Gen X women overcome and work through the life change that is inevitable with grace, good humour and green vegetables. (laughs) As Nick says, eat to thrive over 45. If you would like to connect with Nicole, you can do so on our Queen Bee Collective platform and also via her LinkedIn profile and various links which we will provide. Thank you so much again, Nick. Oh, you're so welcome. It's been fabulous. The Queen Bee podcast delves into the heart of regional women's experiences, their aspirations, challenges and journeys. It's a platform that celebrates their individuality, their resilience and their ambition. These tales of reinvention, adaptation, inspiration and the power of connections.